Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Episode 2 of the Jack and T podcast presented by Saskatoon Golf Course. Saskatoon Golf Course, your premier golf course in the southeast corner of Grand Rapids, Michigan, located in Caledonia. The only golf course in Grand Rapids, Michigan with 45 holes. Tristan and I just played the new, brand new silver course last week. It was phenomenal. The greens are a little slow, but the course is beautiful. It has a hint of Augusta to it. Recommend getting out there. Uh, tee, times are, tee times are busy, but get out there. Saskatoon Golf Course, my favorite place to golf in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's my home course. But T, what an exciting week in sports it was this week. We got a lot to talk about. Pistons opening up the Summer League. Uh, first game was against the Thunder. Second one was against the Rockets. Uh, we talk a little Detroit Tigers. Miggy is coming up on home run number 500 as he just hit his 499th last night. And we're going to end it with our new segment, Drip or Drown, presented by Progressive. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Jack and T, Episode 2. Punch it! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Jack and T podcast presented by Saskatoon Golf. Tristan, what a week in sports it was. We have so much to talk about. It was a great week. Let's dive right into it. First, I'm going to start off. The Detroit Pistons open the Summer League. Cade Cunningham makes his long-anticipated debut alongside Sadiq Bey, Killian Hayes, and, and the rest of the Detroit Pistons crew. Um, you know, they came out a little... Uh, a little amped up. They they scored the first 16 points of the game against the uh, against the Oklahoma City Thunder's summer league team. And, uh, you know, I saw a lot of things in the first quarter there that I liked. Um, unfortunately, they couldn't win the game. They couldn't win either of the games if we, if we talk about Sunday and Tuesday. However, let me get one thing clear. The summer league is not about winning games, no. And, and a lot of times I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, summer league news, summer league drama. In my opinion... The Summer League is a great opportunity for players who either got drafted or did not to prove to themselves what they bring to the table, what they can offer to a team. For example, we bring up a guy like T&I's own Michigan, former Michigan Wolverine, Shonday Brown, who, by the way, just got signed Just got signed by the Los Angeles Lakers along with Mac McClung. Love that for him. Shout out to you, Shonday. We love you. You got that Michigan pride forever. And it was, uh, it was awesome to watch you grow throughout the year. But back to the Pistons, man. It's an exciting time. Um, you got guys like Luca Garza who are, who are making a, an immediate impact off the bench. Um, Sadiq Bey is just an unreal. He's too good for Summer League. I will say that right now. He's too good for the Summer League right now. Sadiq, Sadiq Bey might be the best player in, in the entire Summer League. Yeah. I, and that's a stretch. But when you, when you put together his whole package, he's, he's got enough talent to, to take down a team single-handedly. Yeah, no. I mean, what did he have? He had 14 points in the Game 1. 12 points game two. Didn't shoot the best in game two, but he had uh, seven rebounds to add to it. So I love that from him. 12 rebounds in the first game. Double-double, first game in the Summer League. Love to see it. I mean, you get a small forward bringing bring 14 and 12 down. I mean, that's, that's going to help the Pistons even, even more than we ever expected. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, the first game. I'd love to see it. No, Sadiq Bay and, and Cade Cunningham, in my mind, have, have the ability to be... And, and this may be a stretch. They're young, but they, they have the ability to be the next super duo in the NBA. I mean, Sadiq Bey was on a mission last year. It, scratch that. You throw in Isaiah Stewart, we're looking at a big three right here. 
You give the Detroit Pistons some time to grow, some time to, you know, get used to playing with each other, developing their skills, understanding their weaknesses, understanding each other's strengths. You know, a lot of people don't don't think about that in basketball. Basketball, especially at the highest level NBA, everyone can score. Everyone can shoot. Everyone can do a lot of the same generic things, correct? I mean, you put you put the worst NBA basketball player in an empty gym against kids like us or he's just, dropping 50. just athletic people, and he's still dropping 50. It he's, he's crossing me into a burrito. Like, I'm, I'm done for. Yeah. It, it is insane how good athletes are in the NBA and, and how they can do, you know, things that seem so hard. It, it, it's like an ordinary day at the office for them. Yeah, and here's, here's, my, here's my take on the Summer League so far. You got to get off NBA Twitter. Because I've seen too much Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green talk, and it's it's honestly bugging the shit out of me. Cade Cunningham is exactly who the Pistons needed, and Jalen Green is exactly who the Rockets needed. Yeah. And I don't like comparing the two, even though they went head-to-head the other night. And I will add in, that crossover was kind of disgusting. I, I don't mean, want to hear any push-off talk. That was a nice move. He said, he said, well... Let me just slide right past you. Jalen Green got crossed back into the G League Unite team. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Cade Cunningham put him on rollerblades. He said, see ya. Um, let's talk about that. Jalen Green versus Cade Cunningham was a story of Tuesday night's Summer League matchup between the Detroit Pistons and the Houston Rockets. As I mentioned, the Summer League likes to stir drama and news around, but the two went head-to-head. Um, Jalen Green finished with uh, 22 points, while Cade finished with 18 and, you know, a lot of people in the media, um, whether it was Twitter, Instagram, you know, a news outlet, I, I saw a lot of people that said Jalen Green won the battle, and, I, and I'm having a hard time understanding why you would write that. I mean, if you look at the stats, Jalen Green scored four points while Cade Cunningham was in the lineup. That doesn't mean that Cade Cunningham was necessarily guarding him while he was in the game, but while Cade Cunningham was on the floor, Jalen Green was two for three from the field with, with four points, which... At the end of the day, giving up two buckets to to a, a guy that has as much talent as Jalen Green, it's not bad at all. The other thing I want to talk about with that is Killian Hayes, for four segments in that game, had Jalen Green on clamps. I mean, he yeah. was locking him. Yeah, and here's my thing with Killian Hayes. His defense, we don't have a rim protector, like a actual rim protector on our team. I mean, Isaiah Stewart, he's going to be a dog on our team, but he's only 6'9", 6'10", in a good day. So I think Killian Hayes on defense is going to help a lot, especially with Cade's athleticism. His defense is going to get there. Having but, a guard that can defend. But having his... a guard on the perimeter, it's exactly what the Pistons need right now, and Killian's been showing his defense. as long as long and, and as well as passing. I mean, you put Jeremy Grant and the players that were missing on this summer league team, and you get them off the passes that Cade and Killian have been making, their assist numbers are only going to go up. Yeah, no, I mean, the fact that... And, and I saw, I've seen a lot of people, even their own Detroit fans on Twitter and on Instagram saying, you know, what the heck's going on with, with our, did we make the right draft pick? Why aren't we winning these games? And I've said it, I said it earlier in the podcast. I'm going to say it one more time. We don't even have our coach right now. The objective of the summer league is yes, you're trying to win a basketball game, but every time you get on the court, your objective is to win, correct? Yeah. The whole reason the Summer League was implemented into the NBA was to, like I said, give guys a chance to prove themselves. This is not about who can become the NBA Summer League champion. And the best way for me to to express my opinion and my overall view of the Summer League is look at a guy like Lonzo Ball. Now, I'm not discrediting Lonzo Ball or saying Lonzo Ball isn't a great player in the NBA. He's been shooting the ball a hell of a lot better over the last couple of years. He's really been picking up his game. He's just got a brand new contract with the Bulls. 
And I really think that he can have an exciting and, and good career there. However, when Lonzo Ball was in the summer league, he scored five points in his first game, and he ended up being the league MVP when they won the championship, okay? Lonzo Ball in the Lakers was a disastrous... It, 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 yeah. was, it was a shit show. I yeah, mean... And, and everyone agrees there. It, yeah, was, it was horrible. You cannot compare a summer league win to anything. A summer league win is nothing. It is a congratulations, you scored more points than the other team across you. You don't get anything from winning the trophy. It is all about player development. And from what I saw from Cade Cunningham, I saw a guy, even on the bench, that's what I'm most impressed with. I saw a guy who, while on the bench, and you see this a lot in the NBA, a lot of guys, are in the, they're, in, they're on the court, they give it their all. But as soon as they get on the bench, you know, they need their water, maybe they didn't play the best while they got their minutes, maybe they're in foul trouble, maybe they're having, you know, a little... You know, a little stressful, um, you know, being hard on themselves, not, not having their head in the game. Cade Cunningham has has been giving it his 100% effort every single time he's not on the floor, helping to coach and helping guide other players. And he even said in his, in his draft interview, he said, that's the type of player I am, you know, and that's the type of guy I want to be. I want to be a guy that can come in, and whether I'm on the court or not, I'm helping everyone grow and become a better teammate as well as a better player. Yeah, I mean, he acts like a veteran already, which he does. I love. and. I mean, Jeremy Grant coming back, great player. I think he'll be more of the leader on this team. But, Absolutely. But Cade is going to be right there on his side. And I'm excited to see it once the season comes. But I think you're right with this whole summer league thing. It's just it, the wins don't matter. People, people get caught up in the summer league because it's a league. And, and like I said, every time you play a basketball game, you want to win. Yeah, but I mean, we're not, we don't even have our coach right now. We're just trying a bunch of rotations. Some rotations that I've seen are not good. Our lineups, we're just testing them out, just seeing how they go. But I mean, once you get our coach, I think, I think, uh, I think coach in Detroit, what Dwayne Casey, Dwayne, Dwayne Casey, no. Dwayne Casey's gonna have a lot to analyze with this team because coming out of the summer league, I think he'll have a better idea of what the starting lineup is gonna be. Which I think most Pistons fans know what the starting lineup is gonna if be. If I had to guess, I would say the Pistons starting lineup for this upcoming season will be Kate at the one. You'll run. Do you think um, Kate at the one? Yeah, I think they'll run Kate at the one. You don't like Hayes at the one? No, I, I, I don't. It's not that I don't like Hayes at the one, but I, I truly, I, in my basketball mind, in my truly opinion, I think that Dwayne Casey, with, with the talent that the Pistons have, um, in their, you know, they're a little bit more experienced. I front definitely, court. I definitely think down the stretch, I think, I think Cade could no, play the one, but I think most, I think most of the game, I think Killian's going to start because we do need a ball handler like that, and I'd love to see Cade coming off the ball a little bit, but. In but college, at, he could play the one. So look at what I'm, they look at what they did. Look at what they did at Oklahoma State. The impact that I watched Kate Cunningham have when he had the ball in his hands. And and let's get one thing straight to the people out there that maybe aren't, you know, totally convinced that Kate Cunningham was the best player taken in this draft. Go watch his NCAA season at Oklahoma State. And I'm not bashing Oklahoma State's basketball program at all. But if Cade Cunningham went to a Duke, a Kentucky, you know, even a Michigan. A, a school that has a lot of attention around it right now and is bringing in a lot of high-caliber recruits. His game and his offense and, and, and everything would have been different. Cade Cunningham went to a team where he was the guy that everything was facilitated through. He was the leader, and he was also the guy that, in crunch time, he had the ball in his hands, he had the ball in his hands because he was the best player on the court and he had control of the offense. I think that the Pistons will start Cade Cunningham at the one. I'm not sure who they'll throw in at the two because, as I'll address later in this podcast, the Pistons shooting in the summer league has been horrendous. Yeah. We, need to, we, need to, we need to find a guy in the free agent 
free agent market or an undrafted free agent who can shoot the ball because we are missing open open jump shots that you would expect NBA basketball players to make. Yeah, I mean, Cade should be averaging 8 to 10 assists in the summer league. But, I mean, he has the potential to when he actually gets the Pistons line. Yeah, when the Pistons make like the buckets. It looks like he's playing with his Oklahoma team who couldn't shoot. And, I mean, once you put players around him that can shoot, he's, his, sits, his, his stats are going to go up. But, but it's, it's, not, it's not even questionable. See, I think your take on the starting lineup is a little questionable. Because I think Cade of the two is a perfect spot for him. Because I think Killian and Cade moving off the ball is going to be perfect. With Sadiq Well, there? T, Tristan, let me say something. I didn't say that I think it's the best route. I said I think that's what I think is going to happen. I think right. that Dwayne Casey is going to look at this look at this roster. You look at a guy like Killian Hayes, right? Killian, Killian Hayes has been, in the nicest way possible, absolutely, utterly terrible on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, he has his struggles. And I'm not, I'm not a Killian Hayes hater. There's a lot of people out there who aren't um, up to date and like Killian Hayes. He's over 6 from 3 so far in the summer. Exactly. K- Killian Hayes is struggling to shoot, but... People that come into the NBA when they're young struggle to shoot. Recent examples I mentioned in the last, Kobe Bryant had a terrible first year. And most recent, my man from Michigan, our man, Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole had the worst percentage shooting-wise. Not from three, just, just field goal percentage. Ever as a rookie. He got sent to the G League. At the end of last year, Jordan Poole was scoring 20 a game yeah, off the bench. He came back from the G League, and he was a different animal. He was a bucket. He, Jordan Poole is a certified bucket. That man is a baller, and he is going to continue to do special, special things for the Detroit Pistons. Or, excuse me, the Golden State Warriors. Back to the Detroit Pistons. The shooting will come for Killian Hayes. It will. His defense has really impressed me. It's it's really yeah. if when you have a point guard in the NBA who's not the size of Ben Simmons or you know, you know someone of that stature, and, and you're just a, a you know generic six three six four you know hundred eighty two hundred five pound guard, and you can and you can lock a guy up like Jalen Green who is one of the most already showed his explosive ability to score. It, it's a it's definitely a plus. You take the the thing out of the summer league for the Pistons that I hope that they really emphasize their 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 whole work and their whole drive after is about taking positives we are an organization that has been bad ever since chauncey rip rashid Tayshawn, and ben left we've we've been in the gutter we have one playoff win since 2008 we've made some bad decisions as well i don't think we should have ever taken blake griffin onto the roster either i think that was a bad trade but i mean hindsight's 2020 the pistons have been an abysmal mess but things are on the horizon we're going up and I just want to, I just want to say one last thing about the Detroit Pistons. You cannot judge their talent based on the summer league. Cade Cunningham is not playing with the players right now that he is going to be playing with in a starting lineup mm-hmm. come October. So he, oh, no, no, go you, ahead. I'm, I'm done. I what do you, what do you think of Luca Garza's performance so far? Man, Luca. Um, you know, I really. Obviously, being a Michigan basketball fan, as, as well as Tristan, we've seen a lot of Luka Garza throughout our career. Uh, 50 balls two years ago, that uh, twice in a season. That was tough. Um, but you take positives out of that. When you have a guy who, who's on a team that you root against and he comes to your hometown team, you look for positives. And let me tell you guys one thing about Luka Garza. 
Luka Garza can shoot the absolute shit out of a, out yeah, of a basketball. He, he's, he, got a, he's got quite the stroke on him. He has a Mac, he has an M16 clipped on his right on his right yeah, elbow. Yeah. I mean, no, the guy he, is lethal. Yeah, no, he's he he looks good shooting right now. I I would love to see him rebound a little bit and I would love to see him take the role of one of my favorite Pistons, the bad boy, the original bad boy, Bill Ambeer. I think he's wow. got. I think he is a hot take. I know comparing that those two. I names, like it. But, I like it. I mean, he's got the size. He he could have he could have the grit to sit down low under Isaiah Stiller, um, but he can step outside and space the floor. Same with Jeremy Grant. I'm excited to watch it. That's an excellent. When you add a guy like Luka Garza, he's just got a rebound. And he's got a rebound. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Yep. yep. Rebound in defense, and and he'll be on the Pistons for a couple of years. You brought yeah, up an excellent point, though. Luka Garza is the type of guy. Who will make? I'm not saying he can stretch the floor. He will make. He stretches the floor and he will make your center or power forward come out. If you leave Luca Garza open anywhere on the three point line, in a for an entire game, he's he's scoring forty. I mean, the guy can shoot. Yeah, we learned our lesson while we, we were learned our lesson basketball. being a Michigan Wolverine fan. It, it's. I mean, I've seen moments where Luca Garza honestly looks like nothing can stop him from putting the ball in the hoop. It's all gonna. It's all gonna come down to the rebounds. Can he play defense? Can he? Can he work? Can he work through those screens? Can he? Can he run? Can he run defensively? In the perfect scheme to to you know, go against the pick and roll. Can he? Can he make adjustments during a game to you know match a guy's skill like Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's mm-hmm. way quicker, way stronger, and way bigger than him. Obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo will dominate Luca, but it's not even about the name. It's about can he make adjustments. Throughout the season, can he can he gain veteran you know experience from guys like Isaiah Stewart, who we saw grow so much over just one year in Detroit? Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, I, well, I want to talk about him a little bit because we're really missing him in the summer league. But Luca Garza is a guy who, if he can rebound the ball, could be. And I'm not disrespecting Dirk Nowitzki at all, but this guy, this is a modern a modern day. Lesser versioned Dirk Nowitzki. It is. He's got all all of the same skills that Dirk Nowitzki had in the post. The guy's got the fadeaway. He's got the leg kick. We saw it. We we saw it. We saw, yeah. we saw you, Luca. Yeah, we saw and, you. And I was I was scrolling through Twitter the other day, just bored at work a little bit, and I saw kind of an interesting comparison. Luca Garza could be the Nikola Jokic of this draft this year. He could and, be. I mean, it's a. It brings up a great point. He's got size. He's a little bit gumpy in the post, but can shoot. He can hopefully pass the ball better than what he did in college. But he did a great job. I mean, do you think? Do you think Luca Garza gets minutes this year? What do you think? How do you? What do you think his role is this year? Look, look. You don't win National Player of the Year in college for no reason and, and then sit the bench. Yes, Luca Garza okay. will get minutes. And I want to compare Luca Garza to someone who is my personal. He's my favorite basketball player of all time, coming out of the University of Michigan. And that is the name of Trey Burke. Now, Trey Burke was taken ninth overall by the Minnesota Timberwolves in the 2013 NBA draft. And Trey Burke's um, NBA career got off to a really rough start. He, um, he, he really struggled to find advantages and in, in positive things that he could do due to, his, due to the size difference between you know, the college-level hoop mm-hmm. and, and the NBA-level basketball. Trey Burke is... A consistent veteran backup point guard now in the NBA who gives good minutes between Jalen Brunson and himself to to add a key a key piece to a team that has stars like Luka Doncic and, and Tim mm-hmm. Hardaway 
So you think you think that's the kind of role that Luca's? I think play I think Luca needs to ease his way into the NBA. Luca's going from a college scheme where the offense was all ran through him. Right, he got mm-hmm. the ball almost every possession that he had a good a post position. Correct. Yep. Luca's not going to get that in the NBA. Luca might get four to five looks a game, but I'm telling you right now, Luca Garza in the post can score on anyone in the NBA. He has an electric jump shot. It is butter. It's straight butter. The ball doesn't even hit the rim. It goes straight in. He might he might struggle with size as we saw this yeah. past year with Hunter Dickinson. Hunter, daddy, but there's not daddy, that. Daddy put him to work. A daddy bit, did put him to work a little bit, but you know, daddy's special. Daddy's a I special think, guy. I think I think Luca will finish it out or figure it out. But what were you gonna say about Isaiah Stewart? I'm, I'm curious. I'm interested. Isaiah Stewart is a guy to me. I think he's gonna have a breakout year this year. Big stew. I think I think beef stew is is in for and and this is a hot take. This this may come down the line and haunt me in a couple months, but I'm calling it right now. Isaiah Stewart's going to be an NBA All Star this year, Ooh. and that's a stretch. Ooh. It's a stretch. You may you may think I don't know anything about basketball. I mean, he could he could get the numbers playing off of Caden Killian Hayes now, especially with Sadiq Bay shooting. I mean, Beef Stew is a certified bucket. He is the most dominant thing we've had down low since Big Ben Wallace. And when you're when you're being compared to a guy named Ben Wallace. That's a positive in my book. Mm-hmm. Talk about that a little bit, T. What do you? What have you seen from Isaiah Stewart throughout his first year? And what do you think are some of the things that he may even you know bring to another level this year? Um, it's gonna be interesting to see how he fits with Cade and them. Um, I'm curious. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, excited. I'm excited. I think there could be a lot of positive. I, yeah, I'm. I'm really excited to see the starting lineup in action for the first time. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, was he? He's he's six nine, right? Six nine, six ten. Um, I'm curious to see my my. He's pushing, my, seven, he's pushing seven foot. You think so? He, uh, he's just short six eleven. Okay, I I'm I'm curious to see how he uses his size this year. Um, and that's like my biggest thing with with beef stew. I mean, he's gonna be he's only gonna build on his second year. I agree. Did I think just, did you just look that up? He's six eight. So Isaiah, see, I thought he was 6'9". Isaiah Stewart's only six eight according to this, but he plays he plays like he's seven five. Yeah, he plays like a big man. Yeah, he plays like he's seven five. No, he I plays think, like he's full on. I think if he can learn how to use his size, um, he's gonna be a great baller. He's only gonna build on his stats from last year, so it's gonna be fun to watch. Um, one thing my buddy Beat wanted me to throw into the podcast tonight: we should have kept Jello, and I think. A lot of people forget that. I agree. But now, nice. now, hold on, hold on, hold on, nice hold on. LeVar. It'd be nice to have LeVar. Hold in, on, in hold Detroit. on. And, and yes, Jello had a great first summer league I might game. Be, I might be talking a little early on this, but... Let's hit the brakes, let's hit the brakes on Jello. I had to throw because, because <laughs> if you look at his brother, and I'm not talking about LaMelo, I'm talking about Lonzo. Lonzo absolutely tore the summer league up when he came in as a rookie. And then Lonzo stung. stunk it up See, in his first couple years as a rookie in the NBA. Here's the thing with Jello, though, is he's, he's the purest shooter of the, of the three. And that's the only thing I, I disagree. See I disagree. Okay. Michigan football. However, however, before we go to Michigan football, I, was, I, will, I will admit I was very impressed with how Jello, he, he came into the NBA Summer League without a lot of people. He hasn't been in the media a lot. There hasn't been a lot of noise around him. He came in. And he put on a fucking show right away. I mean, he came out, fired. He, he reminded me a lot of a guy that, that I really loved on the Michigan basketball team last year, talking about taking advantage of the opportunity. Sean Day Brown, who, as you mentioned, just got signed by the Los Angeles Lakers. Sean Day, really, we love you. We're really just milking the Michigan fan card here. Hey, I love but, it, though. Sean Day, good work. Sean is a go. I mean, Sean is a guy who, 
who fits the Lakers perfect because they just they just got Westbrook, so their cap space is quite low, and they're looking for guys that they can come in, in in, in a sense. I'm not. I'm not I don't want to you know disrespect Sean A. Brown or even Mac McClung who just got signed by them. I'm not saying they're bad basketball players. They're both great, but they're looking for guys who can come in on a very low salary, very low salary. And can and can contain and maintain an NBA level of play while you're giving rest to guys such as LeBron James, yeah, no, Anthony Davis, no, and I Russell think, Westbrook. I think Shonda with that with that smaller contract is really gonna help out the Lakers. Um and having some young athletic players with size like Shonda, he's gonna be a great fit for them. I think Shonda could be an all defensive player in, in shit two years. I think I think Shonda Brown could be an all star. Yeah, and no, is, I, is it, is it crazy give, for me would, to say that? Absolutely, I would it's a give hot him take. some time because he's not going to get minutes enough to be an all star. But I mean, a couple of years, his defense is going to show, and the offense is there from him. I mean, every time he shot the ball this fall or this this winter, we thought it was going in. I see so, Sean Brown, and I think of Alex Caruso two point Yeah, no, we talked about this last Tay- week. Taylor Horton Tucker, same thing. I, I, yeah. it's something about the Lakers, and I'll give them credit. I'm not a Laker fan. I, I really dislike the Lakers. However. They have seemingly done a fantastic job over the last three to four years of getting an, getting one undrafted player and turning him into a NBA player that's worth like Caruso's contract, $70 million. They They do a great job of taking talent that does not mm-hmm. get recognized in the draft, and they bring them on their team, and they end up being great NBA players. Yeah, no, that Bulls team with Caruso is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean... All It'll right. be fun to watch the Pistons bully him around, but with that being said... Are we going we gonna to make some Michigan record predictions here? We are going to switch it over to Michigan football. Now, last year, 2020... You know, let's not talk about it. It was a tough year for everyone. You know, the pandemic, yeah. um, you know, even having football on TV felt good, but um, last year was, was the most devastating and, and unfortunate and disappointing season I've had as, in my tenure... As a Michigan football fan, I mean, and to follow up that season with a great Michigan basketball season just made me not give a rat's ass single about. shit about Michigan football this upcoming season. Upcoming no, season. I still do give it. I still do. Mm-hmm. We I'm look excited. at week one. We let's look at week one. They got Western Michigan, my school. I will be in Ann Arbor for the game. I'm very excited for it. Um, should be a good time. Um, obviously. Western Michigan is going to lose that game by, by quite a lot um, just due to the um, athletic ability and the, and the difference. But one thing I'm really excited and I'm glad that I have the opportunity to be there firsthand in person is I'm assuming, as all goes to plan, J.J. McCarthy and Donovan Edwards will both be getting some, getting some reps in that game. And that's going to mean a lot to me personally. J.J. McCarthy is a guy who I have been following for for four to five years because all I've known is that he is the chosen one. J.J. McCarthy is the guy who can finally come in and beat Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing Michigan's been missing the last couple of years, we've had some great teams. I look back to that 2016 team, and that's probably my favorite Michigan team I've ever watched in my life. We're going we're gonna to have and, to do a, a segment we were, on that. And we were one we've, – we've been one quarterback away. I mean, you throw, you throw any quarterback that's been in the playoffs on Michigan, and we're winning it. You know, I mean that 2016 team. You give us, you give us fucking. Not only Justin, were we, you give Justin Fields to Michigan on that 2016 team, or you give us JT Barrett for all I fucking care. Michigan's winning that shit. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's call him down with the JT Barrett sign. Real quick, I want to say something about that. JT was short. Yeah, JT was shorter than a motherfucker. <laughs> uh, we could talk. It about is. An hour out it of is bullshit. Mike Weber's 
20-something birthday today. Mike Weber was the guy who scored the game-winning touchdown against Michigan in Columbus on that day. Mike, if you are somehow listening to this, I just wanted to say, fuck you. Um, <laughs> you, you are... You are honestly the exact. You are the exact thing I thought would happen to the NFL. Um, you're no longer in the NFL. Yeah, you stink, what? Just like uh, the rest of the Ohio State uh, football program. But with that being said, we're gonna bounce back to Michigan. Let's we do not talk here. about the team down south. Um, Let's make some picks. Washington on September 11th comes to the Big House for a maze out. It's an 8 p.m. game. And a lot of people off the bat, I've heard a lot of Michigan fans say, oh, that could be a tough game. Let me, put one, let me put one thought prospect in your mind. When has Washington ever traveled that far east and played an 8 p.m. game in a sold-out crowd in front of 111,000 people? I can give you the answer. They never have. They never have. They have no idea what this type of you know, crowd and this energy and and all of the passion and the fans that can really impact a game. I'm not saying Washington hasn't experienced tough and hostile road environments. They played at Oregon. They played at USC. I get it. There is a difference going from Washington down to Southern California to Eugene, Oregon. You're going from Washington to Ann Arbor, Michigan to play an 8 p.m. primetime game, Kirk Herbstreet on the call. Against a sold out 111,000 fans. That is going to be tougher than you think. I promise you. The, the noise will be one thing. Oh, they're going to be hearing Mr. Brightside from the locker room. And they're not going to want to come out for the second half. That's just how it's going to be. Your thoughts on the game? I think it's going to be fun to watch. Was it Giles? Giles, yep, Giles, Giles, Jack. I think, I think, I think. Let's do a quick, let's do a quick uh, one, two, three, fuck you, Giles Jackson. One, two, three, fuck, fuck you. you, Giles Jackson. I think. Was it Mike Barrett that was beefing with him on Twitter? Mike Barrett I said, Mike Barrett said I, Giles Jackson better not run up the middle. I hope. And I love that. I hope his skinny little ass runs a quick slant. They throw it, and he gets rocked for leaving. That, I mean, might, that might be the loudest the big house has ever been. In, in the everyone there knows. Everyone there knows. Everyone knows that he transferred to Washington. No, I think I think I think it's going to be a close game. I cannot wait to see the maze out. I want to see a great turnout by the students. Hopefully... This is my. This has been my. Who biggest... knows? We might even be in attendance. Yeah, Who knows? No, this Who is knows? this is gonna be. This is my biggest complaint with Michigan football. And and honestly, I think every Michigan fans that had this thought before. I think we need a younger crowd at the stadium, and I think that Maze out will bring it. I think the students being back in the stands, night game, early September, it's gonna be electric. I don't know. I don't know how many of the listeners out there have been to, to the uh, the big house. I've had a very fortunate and and extremely lucky opportunity to have a sister who was smart enough to go to the University of Michigan. I went to several Michigan football games. My favorite, Michigan was ranked number two in the country and they hosted number four, Wisconsin. This was the Jordan Lewis interception. It was fourth and 17. Michigan was up 14 to seven in the fourth quarter. It had just started to rain. Wisconsin had it on their own five yard line. Power comes on by Kanye West. And I have never, ever been in an environment that had more juice. I mean, people were going nuts. It, it seemed like at that point in the game, no, no matter what happened on the field, we weren't losing that game. I mean, imagine being in the big house in the student section. A little rain starts sprinkling down, and you hear Kanye West power come on. 
the Wisconsin Badgers were shitting themselves. <laughs> they had no idea what to do. They were crapping themselves like a five-year-old. And it was a great environment. I missed that Michigan environment. I think we need to get back to that. And, and I think that environment is exactly what we're going to see on September 11th. Washington. I'm predicting, I'm predicting it right now. 28-7 victory for Michigan. I think it is a victory that comes out and people go, whoa, whoa. This Michigan team went, what, four and whatever the hell we went, two and, two and six last year. Excuse me, not four. We didn't even get there. Two and six last year to a team that dominated Washington, who, who is a respectable Pac-12 program, mm-hmm. no doubt. Uh, the work that Chris Peterson did there was phenomenal. And um, I really think this could be a this, – this is a make-or-break game for the, Mich- for the Michigan football team. I w- honestly, I wouldn't say a make-or-break game, but it's definitely going to be a big deal. I mean, Not looking, a make-or-break. It, it could be a, a huge momentum booster. I mean, looking at the next two games after that with Northern Illinois and Rutgers, I mean, if Michigan can start 4-0 going to Wisconsin – That'll I mean, be a big, big game. It's a way bigger deal being four and zero versus three and one going into that Wisconsin game yep. in Madison. Because that that let's be real. Michigan has only won in Wisconsin once while Tristan and I have been alive, and um, that's a tough environment to play in. Camp Randall is one hell of a stadium. Uh, mm-hmm. Wisconsin has great fans. They're a heck of a football team. Paul Chris has a great great crew over there. They do a lot of great things. Uh, that'll be a game to me. That would surprise me if Michigan I would won. Say, I would say more of a maker. I, I did uh, my predictions. I had us losing at Wisconsin. Well, as you, as you should. That's a, yeah, that's a game mean, that we, we shouldn't win. Let's be real. Yeah, and Wisconsin played in the Rose Bowl last year. Yeah. They, lost, they lost to Justin Herbert two years ago. Excuse me. They lost yep. to Justin Herbert in, in Oregon, who was a phenomenal team. Wisconsin probably right now is a little bit ahead of Michigan in terms of football program and success over the past couple of years. Obviously, Wisconsin still hasn't made the college football playoff, and they won't, but... You know, that is a... That's going to be a tough game. That's going to be a tough game. And, and if somehow Michigan can squeak by that game and win in Madison, going into Nebraska is you got easy dub. 4-0 into, into Lincoln? 5-0 if, if we beat Wisconsin. If we go 5-0 into Lincoln, Scott Frost is, is fired. I mean, we're that's going to be an abysmal... We we might beat them yeah, worse than we did I, two years ago. See, Nebraska is Nebraska's an interesting team. Because, one, I don't think Scott Frost has really turned out how Nebraska wanted him to, but he also has, has had some surprising games. But I think Michigan, if I think Michigan, first off, I, I will predict right now, I think we lose at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I think we really have a bounce-back game on the road in mm-hmm. Nebraska. And I think that's going to be kind of a statement game because Northwestern after that, that's, that's kind of a tough game. I, I'm going to that game. I'm going to the Northwestern going to game. Northwestern yep, game? yep. What, 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 what's your take on that game? Because I think it could be a tough game. Northwestern's going to be a decent team. Northwestern went three and something last year. The year before that, they were a great team. They lost to Ohio State in and, the Big Ten they, Championship. They had some unlucky losses last year. They did. I, they had very, remember yep, no, some very, very, very close losses. They were, dude, they were missing Grant Newsom. They're, all, they're a great corner the entire year. Mm-hmm. Northwestern is a, is a trap game for me. Let me explain this to you. You go on October 2nd at Wisconsin. Like we said, that's a very tough game. Then you get a little break and you go at Nebraska. You come home, you have Northwestern. But the next week, and it's, it's definitely going to be in the Michigan players' eyes. It's going to be in their minds. The week following Northwestern, you have a road trip to East Lansing. That game against Northwestern worries me for one thing only. A trap game. It's a game where you look ahead for that rivalry game. You, you know, well, you look at Michigan State. You say, "Oh, we need to beat them. We lost them last year." Well, on home and, turf. and they have the bye the bye week before MSU, so they're looking forward to a little break 
and then going in and just beating the shit. No, actually, the bye the bye weeks after Nebraska. They don't have oh, yeah, they don't yeah, have yeah, a yeah, bye yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, they have a bye week. They have they have a week to regroup after Nebraska, which will give them time. That that will help. That will give them time to to um and, and the coaching staff to I, be like I, yo. I, Northwestern, not Michigan State. I Northwestern. Do, I do agree. Northwestern could be a trap game. I think that's going to be a little scary. It's always and a I, trap game when you have a rival a week away from from a from an actual opponent. When you're playing an opponent and your rivals next week, it's always a, Indiana. For for example, we Michigan has played Indiana the game before Ohio State for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if Indiana's two and eight. I'm scared because I'm afraid that our players and our program is looking forward to that big challenge against the team that we don't yep. talk about. And here's my thing with the MSU game. Last year, I watched, I'm pretty sure I watched one drive, and I got pissed off because I knew we were losing the game. And I really hope this team steps up against MSU because I do not want to hear one fucking fan from East Lansing saying, oh, Mel Tucker, he's the man now. Because fuck Mel Tucker. Yeah, he's the man just like Tom Izzo is, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I will... Say to the day I die, fuck MSU fans. I think they're borderline worse than Ohio State fans because every year I disagree. I disagree. I, I will. I will. I will. We should. Have, we should have a good segment on that one day. Yeah. <laughs> which fans are worse? Just, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> which fans are worse? Will, MSU. I will compare. I will compare MSU fans to Cowboys fans. How they think every year is their year. They love the team going into the year, and they always dog shit. I mean, they. We've had. We've had Izzo fans saying Izzo's the greatest coach. In basketball, yeah. How how what would Amani Amani Bates say to that? <laughs> well, like I I true like I'm one to root for the Big Ten when they're not playing against Michigan. But in the last couple of years, MSU fans have have really outdone themselves because honestly, you get the piss smacked out of you at least three games a year, and you still have the balls to talk shit. They've had some lucky wins against Michigan last year. COVID year, I'm not counting it. It was a I didn't fluke. watch it. It so was a it, fluke. It was a fluke. It was a fluke. I didn't watch it, so it I'm not counting it. It never even happened. It's not in my it head. It never anymore. even happened. It's not in my head anymore. But I think MSU. I think we. I think we go into East Lansing. We take care of business. It'll be interesting to see because that's about halfway through the season. It'll be interesting to see whether we have Cade. It's Halloween weekend. Yeah, some, spooky, be, some be, spooky stuff might be going on. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, if Michigan goes and we we only drop one game to Wisconsin going into MSU. Who do you think starting quarterback? It it, it all depends. It's got to be Cade if we're only down. See, this that is, is true. It, but like it, you can see it going both ways. We could still win games throwing JJ in the, in the third quarter, oh, trying to take care of business. So it'll be interesting to see. I love our QB room and our running back room. Did you see? Did you see Donovan Edwards' Instagram post the other day? Of course I did. Dude was looking beefy as hell. Did you see? Uh, excuse me. Hassan Haskins? Yeah. So Hassan Haskins looks like a grown-ass man. Yeah. No, I'm excited. There's a, there's some, you know, for 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 Michigan fans who are not used to going 2-6, two and, two and six, I have a lot more um, energy and, you know, I'm fired up for the season a lot more than I thought I would be. Um, last year's season was detrimental. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to move on with our predictions here. Uh, we got Indiana the week after. Um, Indiana. Let me let me say something quick about Indiana's football program. I don't even know how they are. They are definitely on the rise. They were. They are good. They're good now. They are good. They're I, good. I, they're I, good. I they got a good Indiana, football program. I would say Indiana's better than Michigan State this year. I will make oh. that prediction right now. Who, Indiana's been better than who, Michigan State. Yeah. Who's their Who's their quarterback? He's, he's injured. Oh, Michael part. Michael Penix Jr. Uh, he, he's got a great last name, by the way. I I really do like that the X in for the S there. You know. <laughs> How how much better would it be if we had a quarterback named Michael Penis? I mean, he's great though. He's great. No, he's got he's, he's got a, a cannon. He's a lefty. great quarterback. Yep. Uh, in Indiana, 
they had what they had the most transfers in in the Big Ten last year. I, mean, I don't they, know how they did it, but they built a football program. They did, and Indiana could be a scary game, and then we go to Penn State. Which, and that is which a, um, we looked at tickets for that, and it's expensive, but we might be attending that game. We so might be. Happy Valley is on my uh, it's on my death it's on my death wish. I hit, need to get we, there. We gotta hit every Big Ten stadium by the time. We're and, like and let's not remember the last time we went to Happy Valley. Uh, Michigan fans, including myself, I, I still lose sleep over this game. Uh, Ronnie Bell dropping a five-yard touchdown pass. To, I don't want any Ronnie Bell slander, but I was upset. I love Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell's a fantastic wide receiver. Um, I think after this year, he's got one more year at Michigan for the fifth year, and then he can be a good NFL slot receiver. But I could see Ronnie Bell going for th- 13 catches, 400 yards, and three touchdowns. Ronnie Bell has some personal, some serious personal, you know. He's, he's got, he's got. That inner, game is personal. He's got inner beef with, with that, Penn State. He doesn't even have beef with Penn State. He has beef with that stadium. Yes. Ronnie Bell is going to be electric that night. Mm-hmm. I could see opening kickoff, 95 yards to the cribbo. I would love to see it. Who who had the opening, who had the, who had the, no, it wasn't against Penn State. Never mind. When I look back, this guy against Maryland, but after Penn State, we move on to Maryland. Um, I guess you could say Maryland's a football team that's on the rise. Um, To be real, they still suck. Yeah, (laughs) it's the best way to put it. I'm really not worried about that game. I I think going into Maryland, I think we'll take care of business. But looking on to Uh, the team we don't talk about, we're gonna skip that game. Um, Just know, fuck Ohio State. You guys are dog ass in the NFL. I hope they're fresh because they're starting what a redshirt freshman this year at quarterback. I hope he goes out and throws forty fucking interceptions. I hope he's worse than uh, Jordan Love. <laughs> I hope he's worse than Jordan Love. I, I hope. Uh, yeah, no. Fuck Ohio State. We're moving on. With that being said, we're gonna transition over to our new and exciting segment that we have incorporated into the Jack and T podcast. T. Welcome to the first annual Drip or Drown. Who's, who's starting the segment off? Well, you know, I'll, I'll let you start off. Would you, you like to, to, are you going Drip or Drown first? I'm going to go with a nice Drip pick, okay. and I think you're going to agree with me. Pistons alternate court. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, I agree. It is it's phenomenal. It's, it's phenomenal. It's sick. It's got, it's, what is it, Big Sean inspired? Big Sean inspired with the 313 in the middle. Shout it. out Detroit, no. 313. The, that, that royal blue is sweet. One thing, though, I would love to see, and I know, I don't know if you saw this, but the Detroit Pistons for the Summer League brought back the teal. Did you see that? Yep. Yep. Did you see that? that? The, ball boys, the, the ball boys yep. and the coaches had, were wearing those old the teal. teal. Yep. The original teal. The original. The 2004 Broncos teal. The Stan. No, I would, I, I would love to see that court with... Some green, that some cup, teal jerseys. Not, not, not even the teal jerseys, but bring back the Bronco jersey in that court's color. The piston. I think, yeah, I think it could be sick. So that's uh, that's my first drip pick. All right, you know, you started off with a drip. I'm going to start off with a little bit of a drown myself. First off, a couple months ago, uh, Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> yep, that's, Dennis Schroeder is a... a Dennis Shorter is uh he's just a normal guy, he's an NBA athlete, but he he's given us a lesson that we can all learn from here. Dennis Schroeder in uh February reportedly had been asking the Lakers for an eighty-five million dollar contract over four years. He bet on himself. He bet on himself, yeah. That's that's fine. I love when I, mean, I love when players bet on themselves, but to say the least, um <laughs> Dennis Schroeder signed a, 
a one-year, $5 million contract with the Celtics on Monday. And, um, that is an you all-time know, bad beat. That right is... Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't keep betting on yourself, Dennis. That is. Um. That's. That's atrocious. Dennis, I will say you have something to work for now. I mean, you bet on yourself. Yeah. In, I mean, yeah. I mean, you do have. You lost eighty million dollars. <laughs> you do have something to work for. That is. Yeah. That is. A, that, that is, is drowning. That is drowning right there. All right. All right. All right. Um. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with another drown pick. You saw those horrible Nebraska jerseys on Twitter that were unveiled. You saw those. Dog water on a stick. I wish I, I hope everyone listening to this podcast saw the picture, but the overalls on a jersey, what were they thinking? It might it might it might be the the worst idea ever known to mankind. I mean, I'm a dog, a dog could have come up with a better <laughs> uniform structure than that. That that's it's so bad. That is the worst idea. i I would be so worried to release that. Due to the fact, I would think pl- the fact, the players fact, would decommit. The fact that they released that blows my mind. But we need enough people to hop on Twitter and gas these up so that by the time the Oklahoma game comes around, they still wear them. I agree. I'll, I will go. I will, I will watch the entire game. I will laugh my ass off. I would love to see some fucking dude running a four five forty chasing down <laughs> someone in a pair of red overalls. I love I it. I cannot wait. All right, back to me. I'm gonna go with a uh, another drown um, as my week wasn't full, uh, wasn't filled with too much drip. This is gonna go to the uh, the University of Illinois men's basketball team as they have actually just claimed their fifth Olympic gold medal. Um, the University of Illinois men's basketball team, as well as claiming the regular season Big Ten title, is currently, aka a dumpster fire, mixed with jambalaya and a hint of Taco Bell. I mean, Brad Underwood. Is um, in my eyes one of the worst coaches in the Big Ten, um, and this is this is strictly to all the, my Illinois fans out there. If you're listening, I really hope you guys enjoyed your great run last year. You guys had a phenomenal run. I mean, even getting to the second round, I mean, that was incredible. You guys haven't been there in what 15 years? You know, to lose to a team as great as Loyola is just—it's an accomplishment. And and if Brad Underwood, if you can hear this, I really hope that you guys are raising that. Um, you know that. That, that round hey, of thirty-two banner. Hey, we were proud of this team. Yeah, banner. yeah, absolutely. And it's sit in absolutely, and collect us for the next thirty years. Absolutely, and, and uh, one last message to Brad Underwood. I'll see you on November thirteenth. Back to you, T. All right, I'm gonna end it with my third uh, pick. It is a drip pick. It's a drip pick. You're you're gonna like where this goes. All right, Jim Harbaugh. Woo! Drip. Jimmy H. So in the cut. Woo-woo. So we saw last year, Jim retired the khakis. The khakis were a look. The khakis were a look. But you know the drip pick. Michigan is bringing in Lululemon sports clothing. Jim Harbaugh going to be rocking Lululemon Boom. with a block M hat. Boom. Talk about, talk about. Great drip pick right there. Talk about Aquafina dripping. Coach Harbaugh is going to be a flood on the sidelines this year with a yeah. Lulu. Unreal! Oh my goodness! Yeah, what a part! Have, what a partnership! And, and what an agreement between the University of have, Michigan we and have, Lululemon. We have Jordan and Lululemon. <coughs> and, I mean, you, I There's need nothing, you to, can't beat that. I need to put a limit on my card because I need some new Lululemon Michigan gear, and it's kind of scary. I need it ASAP. Yeah. If anyone out there has connections, hit me up. No, I cannot wait to see see Jim dripped out on a Sunday or a, a Saturday morning, running out on the field. With the headset on, I'm excited. I, I throwing, am too, man. Throwing clipboards. Throwing clipboards. It's going to be a great year. I am too. 
And my final uh, drip or drown of the week, um, as I mentioned earlier, it's going to go to, uh, it's, it's another drown. It's going to go to Mike Weber Jr. You, um, went, you went three for three. Three for three picks. with the drowns. You know, it was, a, it was a drowning week with all this rain. Uh, Mike Weber Jr. is turning 26 today. He had the um, highlight in the, in the career of his life, um, taking a pitch against Michigan, um, three holding calls on the play, tiptoed his way into the end zone. Um, you know, I just wanted to, to say something to Mike Weber. Um, I, I really hope he's doing well mentally. Um, I, I hope the, you know, the 12-hour shift at Walmart's going well. Yeah, you know, um, he's drowning in, in accounting paperwork. Yeah, yeah, no, no, all that. I mean, a um, couple lawsuits, um, you know, Ohio State does a terrible job of teaching their players not to hit women. Um, other than that, Mike, just wanted to give you a special shout-out on your 26th birthday, and I wanted to wish you, um, you know, just an awesome and uh, congratulations on that phenomenal three-month NFL career that you had. All right, last segment. I think we need to talk about Miggy a little bit since we touched on him at the end yep. of the last podcast. Yep. Four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. Okay, my take with this, I know Miggy has it in him to he could hit back to back game dingers, and I know he has it still. You think you think the Tigers are like yo? We need to pack. We need to pack Comerica a couple more times this year. Just swing a little slower. I agree. I agree. I, I think Maybe, it would be. I think it would be a great mark. It would be a great marketing strategy by the by the Detroit Tigers to be like, "Yo, Miggy, Miggy, we're gonna sell out every game we're until a, you hit that five hundred dinger." We're on so, a road trip right now. Let's 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 cool it down. You know, doubles and singles down the line. Let's let's really keep that that five hundred for you know when it gets late early September. Maybe you know late September when when the fans maybe aren't aren't too juiced to come on out to some games. Miguel Cabrera hitting his 500, 500th home run at Comerica. That that'll ball, be the that'll be the best selling um, Tigers game in the last six seven years. That that not ball, even close. That ball, I hope he hits it deep right field, and some little kid grows up, catches that ball. I agree. Hopefully, it's a beer ball, dude. Hopefully, some dude catches it in his beer can. I would love to see it. Maybe I mean. I mean, speaking of the day, how, how you know, more, how many Maggie, times? hits four ninety nine last night, and he's not in the lineup today. I think I Wait. really think that the Detroit Tigers so my take are on to something here. You're sitting on a little bit. <laughs> hey, sitting you're sitting on all the away <laughs> games the rest of your buddy. I love it. I love it. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm excited for Miggy. That, oh, that should be quite the uh, achievement for him. So it, he's, Miguel Cabrera is one of the greatest, greatest ever do it. And the fact that, you know, T, you and I as Tigers fans, that we've been able to grow up and, and watch that. It, it's been tough the last couple of years because we've missed that. But we never forgotten. Never forgotten. No, I Always mean, in the back of my mind. I mean, for him to, for him to hit the first home run of the, of the MLB season... In, in the snow, in the snow, and sliding to second base. I mean, what's <laughs> better than that? No, I mean, I mean, for him to start off having the uh, the first dinger of the season and to to be able to hit five hundred in the same year, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a great pick. I think it is it's too. Gonna be a great great end of the season. Well, T, we're coming to the end of our second podcast together. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna finish up with some fantasy talk. You know, fantasy football. It's right it's around the on corner. The horizon. It's on the horizon. I've been doing a little bit of, you know, draft preview. A little bit of research. And I'm going to um, I'm going to share three sleepers that I have with you in, in my opinion. You don't have to take it, but um, I'm a three-time defending fantasy football champion. I There's lost, definitely been some I luck lost in there. I in the finals last year. That's tough. And That's tough. You know what else is even tougher? You can kiss tougher? these three rings. You know what else? You know what else is even tough? I am the commissioner of both leagues I'm in. That's that's brutal. So I that's start brutal. off with the first pick. That's brutal. Every year. That's brutal. McCaffrey, I hope you have a breakout season, but I don't want to say fuck you cuz you had two touchdowns in every week that you played last year, 
But like, fuck you. Get your knees well. Get your ankles good. Let's have a great season. Come I'm on, C Mac. Come on, C Mac. I'm gonna start it off right, with give me, a give me your three picks, and then I'll pick mine. And I think I think it'd be fun. I think Siri picks a sleeper. Siri, Peer, Siri, Siri, and Alexa—they're gonna pick some sleepers. For yeah, me. yeah, absolutely. Um, my first sleeper pick of the um, NFL fantasy draft season—it's gonna be a wide receiver. Okay, and and just a little background, some advice. Wide receivers are are one of the last positions, and especially this pick. This is a this is a pick that you should snub late in the round. Okay, this is a guy who I think. Puts up great numbers. He's a great red zone threat. Um, he's underlooked by a lot of people, and that makes him a great threat. I am talking about none other than Clemson's own catch to win the national championship against Alabama. Ooh, Number like 13 this. on the Oakland Raiders. Yes, you are correct. I'm talking about Hunter the John Renfro. I like that Hunter part. Renfro is, is my modern-day Wes Welker. I mean, you talk about a guy in the slot. Their only comparisons that come to mind are they're both white. However, they're both quick. They don't have the size advantage over everyone else, such as a DK Metcalf or, you know, Calvin Johnson. They're guys that grind out. They got all-state insurance hands. I've never seen Hunter Renfro drop a ball. Hunter Renfro is a guy, in my opinion, I had him on my team last year. I had weeks where he would put up 24 points a game. And when you get a guy that, that you expect to have seven, six, seven points a game, and he puts up 24 consecutive weeks... You'd be surprised what it does to your opponent. Your opponent may look at your roster and say, "Oh, he's playing Hunter Renfro. This is an e- this is that's not even a wide receiver. Easy week. He sets his lineup. He doesn't check till he doesn't. Well, check, he doesn't check it to see. He checks on he checks on Monday morning, and Hunter Renfro dropped twenty five on Daddy's head. Mm-hmm. And and this is a guy who can come in and make an immediate impact on your fantasy team. And I'm I'm telling you, book it right now. Book it, Hunter Renfro. He's a he's a late round draft pick. You're, I'm I'm talking to you guys. This is a guy who is not going to fly high on the radar. This is a guy who's going to stay low, and you got to swoop him up out of the water. T, right. take it away. Um, my first, I don't want to say sleeper because he had a great season last year, but Justin Herbert is a great fantasy that's quarterback. A great quarterback, that's yeah. a great quarterback. And I think I think he. <laughs> that's not a sleeper, but that's no, a great pick. He, had, he was number nine last year, ranked quarterback. Yep. Which, honestly, I never would have seen coming. Um, I think this year he makes it at least top six in fantasy points for a quarterback. So I'm. I think they might make I get the playoffs. The, if I get the chance to pick Justin Herbert for my quarterback, I'm picking him. Agree, agree. Um, my second, my second fantasy sleeper. It's actually another wide receiver. Um, being a three-time champion, you, you've come to know that your wide receivers are one of those positions that you know they're they're important. While they're important, they can be substituted. And I'm going to tell you another guy. Um, Caught a 54-yard bomb against uh, uh, what Jair Alexander in the uh, NFC Championship, thrown by none other than the greatest of all time, the goat, the sexiest man on this planet, Tom fucking Brady, and that is Scotty, the Speed Demon Miller. You you told me about him last year, and I picked him up, and I don't think I thanked you yet, but thank you, Scotty Miller. Might be my greatest fantasy super. Talk about a guy who nobody knows about until the NFC Championship game. He's Tom Brady's modern day. You can, you can say Amendola, Welker, or even Edelman. This guy is nothing but fucking speed. He's Lightning McQueen in the flesh. He is a flying wizard. He soars past anything and everyone. He would... Fly past DK Metcalf. I mean, this guy is a guy who, who came out of Bowling Green. 
I watched him play in some action. This is a guy who, not only is he a great sleeper pick, he's got America on his side. He's a guy that everyone wants to see him succeed, and that is why you should take Scotty Miller. Late round draft pick. All right, can I go back-to-back picks for my... Oh, absolutely. Back-to-back. I have two rookies. Okay. One rookie, I think, is going to go higher in fantasy than what most would expect. But if you've done your research... Najee Harris is going to have himself Ooh, an absolute I season. I agree. I think he's going to be a top five running back in fantasy, sitting with Big Ben. I think Najee Harris is going to absolutely break out. And next, Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle with Tua. I think Tua comes out and has a great season. I, I might be too. a little biased because my dad is a Dolphins fan, so I kind of have to stay positive with their seasons. I like that. I dog. like Tua, Tua a, though. Tua's a dog. Tua's, Tua's gonna, a dog. I think Tua comes out and has an absolute great let season. Me, let me real quick, let me say something about Tua, and I just want to, the people that are slandering Tua Tagovailoa um, must not know anything about how serious a hip injury is. Uh, my man had a hip replacement injury and was able to play in an NFL game, multiple NFL games last year. That alone, even if he didn't complete one pass, it's very impressive. A hip injury that to that magnitude is something that takes years to recover from. People need to give Tua more time to settle in. I know that's not the modern-day thing to do in the NFL, but when you're coming off an injury such as like a severe injury as the hip, you've got to give a guy time to get back into that throwing motion. The other thing is people don't understand how much hip motion is involved in throwing a football. Yeah, it's all in the hips, baby, just like Chubbs, Chubbs used to say. It's, all in, it's all in the hips, baby. Yeah, so I think I think Jalen Waddle comes out, and I think he takes over wide receiver one spot. I mean, with Will Fuller and uh, Devontae Parker. Oh, yeah. I think Jalen Waddle, take, he's the big man in Miami now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I haven't seen him play football. Oh, he's a dog. A hot minute. I've seen him. I, 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 I got the chance he to play, see. He, he, didn't play, he didn't play last year. Well, I got the chance to see Michigan play Alabama in the Citrus Bowl yep. last year. And let me just say this on the record. One, Mac Jones surprised the hell out of me that game because he was throwing bombs. Two, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle is the best three, like, three single-handed receiving duo I've ever seen recruited to, a, to all be on a team together at one time. It's insane. That that's three top ten draft picks. Yep. That are all going to be NFL great. People say Jared Judy wasn't that great last year. Yeah, he had some struggles dropping the ball. Who was his? Quarterback? I might. I might. Yeah. Who was his quarterback? Absolutely <laughs> he, no one. He had. He had a frat dude. He's got a frat dude. He had a frat who's dude. Who's rapping on the sidelines, tossing footballs to him. I mean, Jerry Judy was shaking guys like he was fucking Ricky Bobby in the Talladega Five, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. No, I think Jalen Waddle comes out and has a breakout season. Him and Tua is going to be fun to watch. I'm it's going to be great. All right, your last pick. My final sleeper pick of the year. is It's a pick that might surprise some people, okay? It's a pick that, that I'm, I'm really deeping. I'm, I'm diving deep. And, and it's, a little, it's a little odd for me. I usually don't like to go all wide receivers. But here I am again. Coming off my three-peak, I really am liking from what I'm seeing from. You know, when the Lions were selecting the draft this year, I was waiting for that wide receiver, Okay. I was waiting. I was waiting. We get to day. Mm, we get to day three. I see where this is going. We get to day three, and we take who? Who do we take? Tell me. Who do we take? Equimania Amon. Excuse me, not Equimania Amon St. Brown. You saw his catch from in, USC. You saw his catch in training camp. Oh, did I? He buddy got up. Oh, did I? Buddy got up. As soon as I saw that catch, I said, "Fantasy, <laughs> come here." But let's see. Hey, hey, come on over here. You gotta. You, you gotta, gotta be quicker spot. than that. Get on over here. Amon St. Brown is going to be a dog. I'm talking Jared Goff's favorite target to throw to. I'm talking 
This is this is a hot take. Golden Tate esque, I think. Offensive rookie of the year. Calling it right now. Sleep, sleep on him. Offensive rookie of the year. Now that would require the Lions to, to be successful, but that required, that required Goff to actually throw some good passes. Jared Goff is what's Jared Goff is an above average quarterback. We'll take it. With that being said, any last comments for this uh, this week's episode of the show? No, this was a great. I, I think we're we're building we're building on uh, episode one. So, yeah. Hey, with that being said, listeners, we appreciate you.